0: Kaiju Island.
1: A show where a kaiju veteran and a kaiju newbie watch giant monster movies and chat about them. I'm Andrew.
0: And I'm Amanda.
1: We record these episodes quite a bit in advance. In fact, we are currently recording this in the year 2020.
0: To be specific, it was Christmas two days ago.
1: It was Christmas two days ago when we were recording this. So, we don't know the current state of the world. We don't know the current state of anything. But, the reason I bring this up is 2020 is exactly 20 years after
0: the release of Godzilla versus Megagera. Yes. To be specific, G Annihilation Strategy Godzilla versus Megagera 2000.
1: Something like that, yeah. It's got a nonsense name.
0: No, I wrote it down. I was reading from my notes.
1: I be- No, I believe that you're right. I'm just saying
0: You said something like that. I'm just it's saying exactly that- like that.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that it's nonsense.
0: I mean, yes, but...
1: So, it's... We're, that was the movie we watched this week, obviously. <laughs> it's Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. And it's 20 years old as of us recording this. And because of that, I saw a lot of chat about this movie online very recently. And I saw some people say it's their favorite Godzilla movie.
0: Well, Godzilla movies are like Pokemon. Every movie is somebody's favorite.
1: I generally agree with that. I would not have expected—no offense—I would not have expected Godzilla versus Megaguirus to be someone's favorite. It's not high on my list.
0: Well, it could be sentimental value for people if it's a movie that came out when they were young, the first Godzilla movie they ever saw. Yeah, and some people like hokey.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got some some cheese.
0: what type of cheese
1: there's no cheese named after a dragonfly or a mosquito so that would be gross black hole cheese
0: also gross a Swiss cheese is what you're saying
1: dimension tied cheese
0: that sounds like something from Rick and Morty
1: (laughs) before we go into anything what's your general opinion of the movie
0: well I didn't seem to dislike it as much as you seem to
1: yeah I have we'll talk about why I'm not a big fan of this movie but It just really rubbed me the wrong way the first time I saw it. And I think that that stuck with me, despite me having seen it multiple times since.
0: Well, you were saying that the suspension of disbelief was really challenged for you.
1: Yeah. Which shouldn't be a problem in a movie about giant monsters.
0: And usually that seems to be more of a problem for me. Right. So it surprised me that that was your sticking point for this one.
1: Yeah. Before we dive into this movie, I have some Godzilla basics that I wanted to cover. I've been avoiding covering this in our previous episodes, and this episode, it really needs to be gone over.
0: What are those basics?
1: The different eras of Godzilla movies. This is our first movie that was made after the 70s that we are watching on this podcast.
0: Let me see if I remember the first era. That was the... I feel like you mentioned this in the first episode. I
1: mentioned it, yes.
0: I am blanking on it. Help me out here.
1: So... Give me a hint. Uh, oh, a hint? Yes. Uh, Its name starts with a sh. A
0: shh. Uh-huh.
1: The name starts with an S-H and ends... With an O? With an O-W-A. It's the Shoah. Show- <laughs> I did it! <laughs> With no help.
0: <laughs> None at all.
1: So, <laughs> the Showa series, so-called because that is what the... I believe it's the name of the era that Japan was in at the time. Like, it's the, the name of the emperor's reign or something like that. I'm not positive about it.
0: We're clearly experts on Japanese culture.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm more of an expert on Japanese culture than I am... Uh, Korean culture, as we learned a few episodes ago. I don't know
0: if expert would be the word for it.
1: I'm closer to one. I'm not an expert. I want to make that clear. I'm (laughs) not an expert. So the Showa series started in 1954 with the first Godzilla movie. And it ended in 1975. With? Terror of Mechagodzilla. The Heisei series, what came next... I believe technically the first movie in the Heisei series did not take place during the Heisei time period, but whatever. The Heisei movies started 1984, so that's a nine period gap between the Showa and Heisei series. 1984 was Return of Godzilla, which was my first Godzilla movie.
0: What happened between the Showa and the Heisei periods?
1: Uh, we'll go more into detail about that when we're covering Godzilla or Return of Godzilla, but it basically was nothing. They didn't make nothing, as far as Godzilla movies.
0: Is that where they forgot how to do suitmation?
1: Yeah, they basically had to reinvent the wheel after that. Yeah. So it started in 1984 with Return of Godzilla, and ended in 1995 with Godzilla vs. Destroya And then there was another gap... The first American Godzilla movie comes out in 1998. So not a huge cap, right? That movie is generally considered to be not great. (laughs) I'll put it lightly. And it generally doesn't depict Godzilla the way that fans and Toho the company really wanted Godzilla to be depicted.
0: How was he depicted in that one?
1: He runs away a lot in that movie. And I think that's the biggest thing is he just... Godzilla, don't run.
0: When did Godzilla vs. King Kong come out?
1: Oh, that was that was fifty, or that was I don't I don't know the the year right off the top of my head, but it was very early on. It was the third Godzilla movie. For
0: some reason, I thought that one was more recent.
1: No. So th- that American Godzilla movie comes out, and then in response to it, they start the Millennium series, which started nineteen ninety nine.
0: With this movie?
1: No, with Godzilla vs. T- or Godzilla two thousand.
0: You can't call it Godzilla 2000 in 1999.
1: That's part of why people were really confused. Uh, It's called Godzilla 2000, and then the very next movie was the one we're talking about today, which is Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. Those two movies had the same suit. It was like a new edgy look for Godzilla. We'll talk about that when we see him in the movie. Um, And the Millennium series ended 2004 with Final Wars. Then came the great giant monster movie, Drought. That took up a lot of my life. From 2004 until 2016.
0: When they came out with the American Godzilla movie. Godzilla. 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 <laughs> the one with the Muto.
1: Yes. that's I just called, that one. It's just called Godzilla. And that was 2016. That was a 12 year gap. And we are now in the Rewa series. And it's basically 2016 to... Now.
0: So the American movies are part of the eras. Yeah.
1: And some people might not consider them that way, in which case you'd have to go off of Shin Godzilla's release as the beginning of the Rewa series. And I don't have that year off the top of my head, but I think it's 2017. So anyway, what's important to know is we're in, we're two eras ahead of any of the movies we saw previously. Everything we've previously watched in this podcast was Shoah. We're now in the Millennium series. so th-
0: The Power Rangers series.
1: The Power Rangers series. This movie was very Power Ranger-y, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I just think of this time period in action movies being very Power Rangers. Everything's a little corny. Everything's in primary colors. It's just very hokey yeah. period for action movies in general.
1: Sure. And, I mean, Power Rangers was very influential in the 90s, which is leading up to now. Or, leading up to this movie. The thing we also need to know about the Millennium series is that every one of these movies, with only one exception, is a direct sequel to the first Godzilla movie. The
0: 1954 movie. The
1: 1954 movie. And does not consider any other movie canon. Godzilla canon is highly confusing.
0: So all of these movies start off with Godzilla being dead.
1: They may not even count that part, as we'll see.
0: <laughs> well, that makes sense because this movie starts off with a recap of the 1954 movie where it looks like they redid some of the famous scenes of Godzilla wrecking Tokyo, but with this new suit. So we actually see the new suit really early on in this movie.
1: It's like the first thing we see. Yeah. And we see him destroying the diet building and picking up trains in his mouth. It's all the like really famous scenes of him attacking Tokyo from the first movie.
0: Isn't there a shot of him over a bridge?
1: Possibly, but I don't remember. I'm going to bring up a picture of the suit. So I've mentioned before that every Godzilla movie, or every Godzilla costume, every suit has a nickname. This suit's nickname is... Stompy. Stompy. You figured it out.
0: (laughs) I wanted to guess and you were just going to say it.
1: No, it's the Miregoji. Definitely
0: would have guessed that.
1: The Miregoji... As in, mil, Mire millennium, millennium. It was in. It was from Godzilla 2000, and this one.
0: I definitely would have guessed that.
1: You would have, if I gave you enough time,
0: with, <laughs> and it, enough hints.
1: Enough, with infinite time, you would have figured it and out. And if
0: you gave me all the letter sounds.
1: <laughs> so let's take a look at some pictures of the suit. What do you feel about this suit?
0: I really like this suit. His spikes are a little long.
1: They're really big.
0: When he leans forward, the spikes are the same height as his head.
1: Yeah. And they're also really jagged and pointy, which most of most of his spikes tend to be rounded or a little softer.
0: But the newer suit is more spiky too, right? They wanted it to look like rocks in the water.
1: Yeah, the American one. Yes. The legendary suit. Design, at least. Yes.
0: I really like this suit. I think that it is looking less and less like a suit.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: It doesn't have the folds in the fabric. The texture is very natural looking.
1: He's got a huge mouth. We didn't really get to see it in this movie. We'll see it in Godzilla 2000. But this mouth, like, it goes all the way back. Like, when he opens it up, it goes... It's like opening a door hinge.
0: It reminds me a lot of the the Shin Godzilla mouth.
1: Yeah, that one, the one that's supposed to be creepy because it opens so wide. Yes.
0: yes. Except for this one, doesn't have a nozzle coming out of it.
1: It's true. Like the Yonggary mouth.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I like that he looks mean. I am always a fan of mean Godzilla.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mean looking. I want him to look
1: powerful scary yeah absolutely the other thing of note that i wanted to point out that's different from normal is he's got he's green everyone always says godzilla is green but most of the time he's gray but this one he actually is green his dorsal plates are kind of purpley
0: and his breath weapon in this one was like a orangey red like a fiery was color a, too was an
1: orangey yellow Yeah,
0: but he's just he's very stereotypical in this one to what people expect out of a Godzilla. They expect mean, they expect green, Mm -hmm. and they expect fire breath. Yep,
1: and I think those were a big part of what they were choosing to do when they were making this suit because again, they wanted to. It was a response to the kind of lame one from that first American Godzilla movie in '98. This suit is also one of the longest lasting suits. Uh, they still have it, I believe. I believe I saw a picture recently of this suit.
0: Well, this is probably also the time period where we started caring about holding yeah. on to movie memorabilia. That's something that we've been seeing in other um, in other media recently. We watched the Disney show on Disney Plus about trying to recover old movie props yeah and people just didn't collect them and save them like they do now it wasn't really thought of as something to save it was just a tool
1: exactly to yeah. be
0: discarded when you were done
1: yeah so that's a big part of it surviving and also they actually use this suit for events they would have someone wear this suit and bring it out to like parades, parades, or, you know, Toho would be having some new movie and Godzilla would show up and be like, I'm here. <laughs> um, exactly like that. Exactly. They'd... I
0: really want to see Godzilla and on ice with this suit.
1: <laughs> there, Godzilla in this suit was in some stage productions. Uh, they had
0: stage productions of Godzilla movies. Not
1: of Godzilla movies. I think that Godzilla just was there in some stuff.
0: I was going to say, I, forced perspective can only go so far.
1: <laughs> some pachinko games used footage of this suit. This suit got used all over the place. More recently, there was a comedy movie where, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, I'll look it up later, where some, a character was having a dream and there were a bunch of weird characters there, and including this suit. The Goji suit was just running around through her apartment complex, like, human-sized. <laughs> it, was, it was really interesting. I like it.
0: So, yeah, we see the suit really early on. And it is kind of establishing by doing that that they are taking their own spin on the original movie.
1: They're messing with the timeline.
0: <laughs> it gives us a literal timeline. In 1966, Godzilla came back and attacked again, destroying a nuclear power plant. So Japan apparently decides that the response to that is getting rid of nuclear energy, which seems pretty reasonable to me. Sure, sure. At the same time, the Bureau of Science and Technology was established in Osaka to find a new clean energy source—plasma energy. Which, honestly, that—that that is totally within the realm of suspended belief. belief.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. It's just standard sci-fi stuff. Absolutely. Totally okay with that.
0: We then jump forward to 1996. Godzilla is attacking Osaka. He's heading to the clean energy factory, which implies that it's not only nuclear energy he's attracted to, but plasma energy.
1: I think maybe just energy in general, but yeah, definitely he's attracted to plasma.
0: Specifically Japanese energy. Japanese energy. (laughs) He just likes that Japanese flavor. Exactly. So the military is sending in units to try to help or stop him. I don't know how they plan to do that, but I guess you can't just ignore a giant lizard wreaking havoc through your capital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They moved the capital to Osaka in this movie. Oh, yeah. That happened right after the 1954 recap.
1: Yeah, Tokyo is destroyed, and while they do rebuild Tokyo, they decide that the capital should be Osaka now. Which, again, I'm totally cool with that. I, I like that this movie has some weird, like, historical fiction to it.
0: But this is where we meet our main character, or one of them. It shows a military unit getting sent out to try to help somehow with... The commanding officer being Miyagawa, and one of the soldiers being Kiriko Sujimori.
1: Major Kiriko Sujimori. Major Kiriko Sujimori is played by Misato Tanaka. I don't know anything about her.
0: She's very skinny.
1: She's so thin. I believe her like as a a military person for, because of her personality, she's really good at like putting on like that tough personality
0: yes she does have the acting down
1: but she doesn't have a single muscle in her body
0: (laughs) which is really contrasted with we've been watching season two of the mandalorian recently Mm -hmm. and the women in that are so buff
1: yeah it's just full of buff women so it's it all of them are
0: fighters yeah
1: it always put me off a little bit that she's so thin but i don't know maybe
0: I I think this was also a 90s thing, though.
1: Maybe. Yeah.
0: There was a lot of very thin actresses, and that was very popular in the 90s and early 2000s. So you saw them cast for a lot of roles, whether it made sense or not.
1: Yeah. That's true. Captain Takuya Miyagawa, who is the captain that we see, uh, I only wanted to bring up... He has a very minor role in this movie.
0: Spoilers, he's about to die.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But I wanted to bring him up because he's also in... Uh, Gamera 2, Advent of Legion.
0: Is this the Gamera Trilogy?
1: Yes, it's part of the Gamera Trilogy, which you have seen outside of this podcast.
0: I have seen this. Yes.
1: And I just wanted to bring him up because he was a familiar face. To me, and to you, but not to our podcast. I'm I'm sorry, guys.
0: Wasn't to me, I just blew over my head until you told me about it. But they show a scene where Sujimori, Captain Sujimori is determined to keep fighting Godzilla. She keeps firing at him, even though it's really not doing anything. And her commanding officer, Miyagawa, is ha- is forced to make her leave. He tells her it's time to go because, you know, they're pulling out. And then he ends up dying, pushing her out of the way.
1: Yep. Some big rubble falls on him. And that, there goes that guy I knew.
0: So fast forward to 2001, which is the present day in this movie.
1: It's it, in the far-flung future.
0: Of one year later, <laughs> <laughs> one year after this movie was, was released, we see a man named Hajime Kudo, who's showing some kids a magic trick. He puts a spoon and some a couple grains of uncooked rice and curry powder and pickles Yep. And then he puts a hat on top of it, like a hard hat.
1: Or a bowl, maybe.
0: Whatever it is. And then he picks it up, and there's a spoonful of cooked curry rice with pickles on top. I think it's um, pickled radish.
1: Probably, It looked
0: like pickled radish. And the kids are amazed. And then a group of people come in, the G-graspers...
1: God, I hate the name G-Grasper. I literally just looked at my notes to make sure you had said it right, because it couldn't possibly be what they called their military unit, the <laughs> G-Graspers. And
0: they're all in bright blue jumpsuits, led by Captain who So who isn't a captain anymore. I think she's been promoted. They don't oh, really maybe. establish her rank, I don't think.
1: Yeah, Maybe. Or maybe she wasn't captain before. Maybe she's captain now.
0: That's probably what it is. Yeah. So Captain Tsujimori comes up to him and ruins his magic trick by revealing that there's tiny robots in the hat that are cooking the food and assembling it. And that is just ruins the magic for the kids. Apparently these tiny robots are less impressive than his sleight of hand magic trick.
1: I don't understand I would be so excited to see those tiny, adorable robots.
0: I would be way more excited about the tiny cooking robots. Did you see the tiny whisk? I think the whisk was like the size of my pinky nail.
1: Yeah, it was so cute. And that's way more impressive, I think. (laughs) But those kids don't want any of it.
0: But yeah, the G-Grasper, not the best design in
1: the movie. No. And part of why I hate the G-Graspers is... In a lot of previous movies and in books and stuff like that, the team that is set up to fight Godzilla, spoilers, that's what the G-graspers are for, is to study and fight Godzilla. A lot of times that team is called G-Force, which just sounds so much cooler. G-Force is a thing. It's the force that gravity has. And so it like it has a good ring to it. I, I don't know. G-graspers.
0: What are you grasping?
1: What are they grasping?
0: What are you grasping at?
1: It just sounds like sounds like they're just trying to grab him. <laughs> I don't want and that. And missing. And missing. <laughs> Hajime Kudo, our inventor, uh, Hajime Kudo, is played by Shosuke Tanihara. Who, and he
0: has beautiful hair.
1: He's just a... Yeah. He has gorgeous hair for no reason. And the only reason I wanted to bring him up is because he plays in the video game Judgment.
0: Is he the main character?
1: He's not the main character. He's like your rival lawyer in Judgment. So he has touched other things that I have seen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the G Graspers are here because they're recruiting and they take him with them. ...to their main headquarters, which used to be a warehouse, but looks like a school.
1: Yeah, it looks nothing like a warehouse.
0: (laughs) And explain that they're tasked with dealing with Godzilla.
1: As their name implies, I think.
0: In the main headquarters, we meet a physics professor... ...who says that she recommended Kudo, who was one of her old students.
1: That professor is Dr. Yoshino Yoshizawa... Who's played by Yuriko Hoshi. Yuriko Hoshi is a... Just an incredibly prolific actor from the Showa series. Um, She was in so many Toho movies. Especially sci-fi movies.
0: Was she in any of the ones we've seen so far?
1: Not for the podcast. You have seen her, though, outside of it. In one of your... I think we said in the first episode you'd seen like seven Godzilla movies beforehand. One of those is the... Godzilla vs. Mothra movie from the 60s, she plays like the main female lead from that. She also played a character that's basically the exact same character with a different name in Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Uh, And then she also had some minor roles in a bunch of other movies.
0: So they're trying to recruit Kudo, giving away a lot of secrets to a guy who's not already in. Yeah. And He says, well, no thanks. I like to keep my life, and you guys are all running into a thing you can't defeat. And that's when the professor comes out and says that she's the one who recruited him. And he's like, yeah, but when you were working at that clean energy factory, didn't you... um, A bunch of you die? Like, that went over real well. Yeah. And you get this flashback of Professor Yoshizawa working in the clean energy factory when it starts getting attacked by Godzilla... Back in 1996, when Captain Sujimori was having her life-altering mission.
1: Yeah, when she was having a traumatic experience at the hands of Godzilla.
0: One thing I do like about this movie is everybody's motivations are very clear. Yeah. Dr. Yoshizawa and Captain Sujimori are kind of the driving force of this group, this task force, whatever they are. Those two are the ones where every time people's confidence wavers, they're like, no, 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 we could do this. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everyone's very passionate about what they're doing.
0: Dr. Yoshisawa explains that they're making a plasma energy weapon, a mini black hole.
1: A black hole gun.
0: Which they're going to launch from a satellite. And they need Kudo to miniaturize the black hole and make it work.
1: Spoilers, this black hole gun is the source of my problems with this movie.
0: (laughs) As they're explaining this, they see the temperature rise in the Japan Trench, and they're pretty sure it's Godzilla, but then it kind of disappears. It jumps forward three months, and we see a boy named June who's, what, you say like 10 years old?
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: A young boy who is helping his mom pack up their house when he... Grabs his box to go looking for bugs for school.
1: This kid loves bugs.
0: That's very established. It's like his one personality trait.
1: He loves bugs.
0: (laughs) And he runs up and... He runs down the road and runs into a military blockade. And instead of turning around or going somewhere else, he just kind of veers off into the forest and goes around them.
1: Good instincts.
0: (laughs) So... Of course, he stumbles into the military mission they're doing where the G-graspers are working with a military team to set up their weapon, which they're testing on a building. Just some abandoned building.
1: Some random building. I think it looks like a school, which is weird, but I'm not... I don't know what it is.
0: They shoot their black hole gun at the building, which looks pretty
1: cool. It does look really cool. For all my gripes about the black hole gun... It looks awesome.
0: It causes the building to disappear, but leaves a wormhole disruption in space time.
1: Which means nothing. But we later find out that what this is is essentially a hole between now and like the Cretaceous period or something like that. It's a a time warp because of the black hole.
0: Which they explain away as just being a side effect of this gun. But nobody seems that concerned about a tear in space-time.
1: Yeah. Don't worry, guys. It's just a tear in space-time.
0: June is caught by one of the military persons, of course. Mm-hmm. And Sujimori Mori comes over and asks him to keep it a secret, to not tell anyone.
1: Keep it secret.
0: Keep it safe.
1: Yeah. You got it.
0: My favorite quote. <laughs> Later... That night or sometime in the near future, June's at home and he sees a giant shadow outside his window. So he follows it and ends up seeing a giant dragonfly go into the wormhole. Yeah. Wormhole that was created. Yes. There he finds a big egg covered in these like little bumps. Yeah. Kind of looks like a warty egg.
1: A warty egg.
0: A warty egg. (laughs) And he takes it home because of course he does.
1: Because that's what you do. (laughs)
0: He ends up bringing this egg with him to Tokyo, because that's where he and his mom were moving to, and keeps it hidden in a box. When he later looks at the egg, it got all goopy, so he decides to dump it down the drain.
1: Yeah, he first tries to set it out at where garbage pickup is, and the neighbor lady's like, they don't do garbage pickup today, come back tomorrow. Because I guess she didn't want this goopy egg sitting out all day, (laughs) but...
0: So instead he throws it down the sewer.
1: He just tosses it in the sewer. The
0: next she- the next scene shows Kudo giving Sugimori a round like a bullet with a transmitter in it. He says it'll send a signal when she tr- uh, fires it so he can come help her. This random civilian engineer, I guess, is going to come save the highly experienced military captain. Yeah.
1: Who, who could kill you with a look.
0: During this conversation, he finds the dog tag she wears, and her teammates explain to him that it's her captain's dog tags that she keeps with her as a memento. She fires a transmitter inside the gym <laughs> at the
1: weights. At a slab of metal. It's such a stupid...
0: Please don't try this at home, kids. What
1: was your plan? What if it ricocheted?
0: but it attaches a transmitter like he said it would.
1: So it worked perfectly.
0: Don't know why you need a transmitter in a gun, why you can't just have a button or just have a GPS on you. Well,
1: we know why. Plot reasons. Plot reasons. (laughs) Not even important plot reasons either, but whatever.
0: We see a shot of the egg underwater and the little bumps on it which apparently are smaller eggs, are falling off of it. They're detaching.
1: Right. Which, is, which looks really cool.
0: The sewers start to overflow in Osaka, and we get a shot of a giant bug thing, which attacks and kills a random couple. Right. Right before it molts into a dragonfly.
1: So, three things in quick succession about this scene. Uh, The first is before we see the giant bug or the couple, we see two Waterworks employees arguing with each other. And by arguing with each other, I mean like sticking a metal rod into each other's face or things like that.
0: I love them. I think they're my favorite part of the movie, to be honest.
1: They were pretty good. Those are a comedy duo called Gokuraku Tombo.
0: I love that. He's annoying the other one by just poking him in the face with the metal thing because that's exactly what you do to me, all the time.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. And
0: your cousins, you'll just walk up to people and put your hand on their face.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that can't. That can't be. I don't remember that. Um.
0: All the time. I, Nobody I, even is surprised anymore.
1: I. I. Stop. <laughs> I just did it. Um. <laughs> so. Those two are a comedy duo called Gokuraku Tombo, who are a Manzai comedy duo. Manzai is just a type of Japanese, like, stand-up, essentially. Not stand-up, but a type of Japanese comedy. Um, made up of Koji Kato and Keiichi Yamamoto. One thing I think is interesting is the name Gokuraku Tombo translates to heavenly dragonfly. And they're in a scene with a giant dragonfly in it.
0: I wonder if that's why they got cast for this.
1: Maybe. Maybe, monzaï is a type of comedy that involves a straight man and a funny man, uh, rapidly trading jokes with each other. Gokurakutombo is m- their whole thing was slash is arguing in public. So I can see that they're just doing their thing. Number two is the big bug we see is a reference. It's a reference, everybody,
0: to the last movie we talked about. To the
1: last movie we talked about. This is a mega Newlon. So, if only Rodan was in this movie, he would eat them all up, and there would be no problem <laughs> uh this we first see Meganulon in its larval form on the you know that's the thing that kills them, and then it molts into its dragonfly form, which is called not confusingly Meganula. nula. The Mega Nulon in this movie were not played the same way as the Mega Nulon in Rodan. it wasn't three dudes. <laughs> Walking in a suit.
0: I would say they looked significantly better.
1: They look real cool.
0: They don't look like just giant ants.
1: Sure. Yeah, they look real cool. The Mega Nulon were played through, or were portrayed through a large puppet, and oh, cool. A little bit of CGI, and then the Mega Nula, the flying ones,
0: were entirely CGI.
1: Were entirely CGI except for in one scene, there's a few physical ones. We'll talk about that when we get to it. And just because we're talking a little bit about how the special effects were done, I just wanted to bring up that the special effects director for this movie was Kenji Suzuki. We will talk about him a lot later. He He was an assistant special effects director during a bunch of Heisei movies. And then he took over as the main special effects director for a bunch of Toho Kaiju movies. This is his last movie as the special effects director. Um,
0: did he work on anything that we've seen?
1: Nothing we've seen, no okay. Everything that he did was in between this one And whatever our our last movie was chronologically
0: That might have been Godzilla versus Megalon
1: I think it was, I think you're right So, no, we haven't seen any of his And uh, another quick, quick crew member I wanted to talk about um, The music in this movie There's some interesting music in this scene is by Michiru Oshima, who is our first, on this show that we are talking about, our first female crew member.
0: Yeah, woman power.
1: <laughs> she does a lot of music for anime, video games, concerts, and did all of the music for the director of this movie. All of his movies have her as her the music Some non-kaiju highlights uh, for music that she did. Uh, I've included things that you like and I like. uh, Oh, I know some? Hopefully our audience does. I'll start with ones that you don't, and then we'll get to some of the ones that you do. Or the one, I guess. She did music for Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which has some of my favorite music in the Zelda series.
0: I've heard of Legend of Zelda. Does that count?
1: Yeah, you haven't played any Legend of Zelda games, have you? Well,
0: I want to play... Breath of the Wild, but you lent that one away, so whose fault is that?
1: Fair. She also did the music for Eco, which is by the same people who made Shadow of the Colossus. Very good game. I've heard of that one. And uh, of most importance to you, she did the music for Full Metal Alchemist.
0: I love Full Metal Alchemist. I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone's seen it does, but yes, I it... love Full Metal Alchemist. It's very good. Did she do the original or Brotherhood or both?
1: I believe the original, not Brotherhood.
0: I like the original a lot. I know a lot of people... Sorry, I'm getting way off topic. I know a lot of people like Brotherhood better, but I like the original. I like them both.
1: I couldn't say I remember what the music in either is like, (laughs) but I'm sure it's great.
0: Yeah. The music is never the part that drew my attention, but that's never the part that draws my attention like it does for you. You're really good at noticing those details. Yeah. So the next scene shows June back in his house and he sees a giant dragonfly go by his window and he freaks out and he calls Suji Mori and tells her everything. She tells him, it's not your fault. Uh, we're the ones who accidentally let it in. Which, honestly, that's the part that really endeared me to this character. Like, I loved her being competent and I love her having passion for what she does. And it's nothing related to... Romance, or her bleeding heart, or anything like that. I just, I really like this part of her.
1: Yeah, that she's willing to accept that. Hey, we messed up. Yeah, yeah.
0: And he is actually the one who identifies the bugs as meganulon because you know he's a bug enthusiast. Cause
1: he love bug.
0: <laughs> and that the dragonflies are the meganula.
1: Real fast, actually. Meganulon and Meganula are based on a real bug. I don't remember if I mentioned this in last episode, but Meganu Meganura, I think, is how what it's called. They're a real world prehistoric insect, the largest flying insects ever on the planet, as far as we know.
0: Were they as tall as humans?
1: They had no, but they had wingspans of up to twenty eight inches long. That's pretty cool. That's Huge. And they did look very similar to modern dragonflies.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: So it's based in fact.
0: Did they come from ant looking things? No. <laughs> they start getting readings of heat waves off the coast, and it's Godzilla. And we see in their satellite shot of Godzilla, there's a shadow of a Meganula.
1: Right. Of a Meganula. I'm not going to correct you every time because they have the most confusing names in the world.
0: <laughs> so they launch the Griffin.
1: The GX-813 Griffin, which looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's like a fighter jet. It's one of those triangle-shaped ones.
1: Sure. It can, it can do vertical takeoff and landing, so it can fly like a helicopter if they need it.
0: I really like it.
1: It's a cool design.
0: Very Power Rangers.
1: So Power Rangers.
0: <laughs> um, they launch off in the Griffin and find Captain Sujimori is on the Griffin with them. They find the body of a Neg- Meganula floating in the ocean and they descend onto an inflatable boat and go up to take samples from it. When Godzilla appears underneath them, Tsujimori, being the good superior that she is, sends a soldier that's with her up into the Griffin first and then doesn't have time to get up herself, and ends up falling in. She swims over to Godzilla and hangs on to his back fins.
1: Right. And her suit, like, she puts on a special mask, and the, like, collar expands, and I think that the idea is that they just always wear... (laughs) Radiation proof suits or something like that That are
0: also meant for being in water That
1: are meant for being in water Which sounds far-fetched Except they're fighting an aquatic radioactive monster (laughs) So
0: I mean, it doesn't protect her skin Her hands and Oh no, she's wearing gloves But her face is unprotected still Yeah And she's standing on top of him Yeah And then um, she shoots her radio transmitter, or her transmitter round, onto Godzilla.
1: Right. The the thing that was given to her by Kudo.
0: The thing that absolutely should not have been a bullet. Yes. <laughs> and they launched the Search Godzilla system, SGS.
1: The SGS. Certainly not the worst named thing in this movie.
0: Nope. The SGS is probably a, a jet size.
1: Maybe a little smaller. But... Yeah
0: ship that goes under the water to track Godzilla. Yep. They show Kudo and Professor Yoshizawa talking and they name the weapon the Dimension Tide.
1: The Dimension Tide, which doesn't make any sense, but that is a cool name.
0: I agree. I like it. I nicknamed, I started nicknaming things in my notes at this point. Dimension Tide becomes DT. Godzilla becomes G. <laughs> Dr. Yoshizawa becomes DY. Oh. Because I did not want to keep writing all these long <laughs> names out.
1: No, but you know, Godzilla being shortened to G is a uh, a long held tradition. Look at the G graspers.
0: They bring in some zoology professor or something who Maybe confirms... a paleontologist again. Yeah. <laughs> who confirms that the dragonfly are Meganulon from three hundred and fifty million years ago. This guy is Absolutely, the plot knowledge device of this movie. He always comes in at really random points. Like, it's like they did a pause screen and he walks in front of the pause screen and says, <laughs> Just so you know,
1: Mega Nulon were incredibly violent.
0: And starts drawing on the screen. <laughs> yeah.
1: He knows so many things that we would absolutely not know.
0: He says, Usually they were in large swarms and. The Meganula were more aggressive than the Meganulon.
1: Okay, I get the... Maybe we get large swarms from fossils. How do you know they're aggression? How do you know how aggressive they were? I don't know, man. It's nonsense.
0: But now the Shibuya area of Osaka has completely flooded. Like, the water level seems to be halfway up these skyscrapers.
1: I don't know how this happens. I don't know. It just does.
0: Not only that, but then it kind of just, it doesn't flood all of the city, so it implies that half of the city is really far below the rest of the city. Yeah. Because...
1: Which could be. There's a
0: large portion of that city that's underwater. Like, people can swim down
1: Uh to the
0: ground level significantly, and then you can just walk up the street and be outside the water.
1: Yeah, I don't... Maybe that's how Shibuya is, I, I don't guess. I
0: Maybe it's mountainous.
1: Um, and I understand why the Mega Nulon would want to do it because dragonflies are raised, like, they're born in water. But I just don't understand how they did it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Maybe just the addition of all this new mass.
1: But then the water level would go down when they all fly out. That's true. So.
0: You know, say. So they have a few shots of people evacuating the Shibuya area of Osaka. And then Kudo pulls out a mini SGS.
1: I don't know if he made this, or if it just is a thing that all of the people who work at the G-graspers carry in their pocket all the time.
0: Definitely made this. His whole thing is making mini versions of things. That's true. And it's probably like an RC car sized thing.
1: Yeah, it's very small.
0: And he launches it into the water and they get shots of the eggs underwater on the streets. Meanwhile, the full-size FGS has found Godzilla using the tracker that Captain Sujimori placed. Sujimori is then presenting at some official-type meeting, some government meeting or military meeting of some kind.
1: Um, so I just realized, looking through my notes, uh, that we made a little mistake. What do we do? I mean, nothing big. It's just she. Uh, Sujimori is a major, not a captain. I would, I must have been looking at the name for the captain who was killed by Godzilla. Oh,
0: that makes sense. I
1: must have just gotten mixed up or something, but she's a major. So,
0: we just demoted her,
1: we demoted her for a bit, <laughs> but she, she'll now be Major Sujimori.
0: Sorry, Sujimori. So, Major Sujimori is presenting at some official meeting of some sort. she's saying that the Dimension Tide only is accurate if Godzilla's on land. So their plan is to lure Godzilla onto this island that he's kind of heading in the direction of, this abandoned island, and then shoot him while he's there.
1: Is this where we see she's talking alongside a government official that never gets named but is kind of important?
0: I mean, if, if that does happen this is the scene for it
1: yeah uh i wanted to bring up that government official again he doesn't get a name in this movie which is weird but uh the government official he shows up a lot he's really important in the very end of the movie that was koichi ueda who was a very prolific actor from the heisei movies he started in godzilla versus Biollante, which was
0: 1989 was Biollante a plant
1: is a plant. Very good.
0: It has the word bio in it. I just picture Godzilla fighting Audrey too.
1: You're not far off.
0: That's great. Does it sing?
1: No. Well actually it does.
0: Does it really? Yeah,
1: it does. Well well maybe I'll put bump that one up I'm
0: so excited to to talk about this one.
1: Anyway, the reason I bring him up is he was in twelve consecutive Godzilla films. He was in 12 Godzilla movies in a row. Is this
0: one number 12?
1: Starting from 1989. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what his last one was. But that ties him with Haruo Nakajima for the second most number of appearances in Godzilla movies. That ties him with the original Godzilla for most appearances. Um, second most number of appearances. Number one is Kenji Sahara, who. Is
0: he Dr. Sarazawa?
1: No, he was the lead actor in Rodan. He was the main character in Rodan. So, he's going to be a face we see a lot. That's all I wanted to say.
0: I did not pay attention to his face, so I'll have to go back. (laughs) So, the politicians are skeptical of this plan. They're saying, there's no guarantee your thing will work. What if it causes more of a disaster? Which it does, but they have no reason to think this, because they don't know about the wormhole thing.
1: Do they have no idea that a black hole being shot at planet Earth might cause more damage? I think it's a very reasonable fear.
0: Yes, but given the, the science they're using in this, it doesn't sound like it's a reasonable fear.
1: Sure, I guess.
0: Based on the fact that it didn't hurt anything, they've already shot it once. Yeah. And then comes my least favorite part of this movie. Kudo is talking to a G-Grasper guy about a program he made. I I think it's your favorite part, too, obviously.
1: I hope that the sound of my eyes rolling into the back of my head was audible on the microphone.
0: (laughs) But he made this character where a little chibi, sexy nurse program will go through and check all the programs on a computer to make sure they're working while making cutesy poses with like a giant syringe.
1: It's so stupid.
0: Clearly, Chekhov's program.
1: Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) So, Professor Yoshizawa is mad at Mr. Sugiura, who is one of the G-Grasper. He's kind of like the politician head of the group. He hasn't really played a big part up to this point, although he's been there in several scenes.
1: Oh, that's the guy that I said didn't have a name.
0: Oh, yeah. She was presenting with him.
1: I didn't realize he had a name.
0: Yeah. He becomes much more important later in the movie, Clearly. And so she does start referring to him by name, but he didn't get a name up to this point. So that's probably why you thought that.
1: Maybe. My second mistake. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) Maybe I will be the veteran. (laughs) So she's mad at Mr. Sugiura and Major Tsujimori because she doesn't think the dimension type is ready. But Mr. Sugiura just laughs because, spoilers, he's a jerk.
1: He, yeah, he's a jerk.
0: So they put their plan into action. They show some jets bombing Godzilla as he approaches the island. They hit him with photon guns and kind of push him in the direction of the island with while shooting at him.
1: Right. I remember a, uh, like a young adult novel that I had when I was young I loved this series of Godzilla books but they there was one part where they talked about if you wanted to direct where Godzilla was going you shoot at him and he will go in the direction that you are shooting him from you're not <laughs> you're not turning him away cuz he doesn't like the feeling of the the guns or whatever he's turning towards you because you made him mad and I just I really love that and they kind of do that in this movie
0: Except for the American Godzilla where he runs away a lot. Exactly. They just need those um those mounted guns that you that just shoot on their own.
1: Yeah. They need like automated turrets.
0: Yeah, that's what they're called. I'm so knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile at the same time as this mission to black hole godzilla is going on (laughs) they are doing a simultaneous mission to blow up the eggs in osaka with tnt but in the meantime discover a giant swarm of meganulons molting into meganula on the side of a building and it is such a cool shot graphics are bad
1: yeah the special effects aren't great
0: it's very very bad like it's of its time graphics it is poor of its time graphics yes
1: but, Power Ranger graphics. Sure. But the it looks cool, though. Yes. The shot is cool.
0: Yeah. They just round this corner in a boat and look up, and there's just a blanket of Mega Nulon.
1: Of CG. Like, it's bad CG is the reason why it doesn't look good. But, yeah, it it's just a wall of them.
0: <laughs> so these Mega Nula fly off and show up surrounding the griffin, which is hitting Godzilla with a photon beam right when they're about to use the the Dimension Tide. I almost call it a DT, because that's what it says in my notes.
1: Well, I think they call it a DT occasionally, too.
0: That's true. And because there's probably hundreds of bugs flying around, they're saying they can't get a lock on Godzilla with the Dimension Tide. Godzilla fights them, and he kills a bunch of them with his breath. They start attacking and stinging him and draining his energy which is very cool to look at actually. It's I think mm-hmm. it's done really well.
1: Yeah. And these are some of the Mega Nula, some of the Meganula in this swarm are the ones that are practical.
0: Oh. The ones that
1: land on Godzilla. That
0: would make sense cuz you would have to have a CG bug landing on a suit.
1: Yeah. So Like, he bites some, those are real. He smacks some with his tail, those are real ones.
0: I imagine the ones where they just show a stinger, a close-up of a stinger, are probably real.
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: He starts to power up his beam, and that causes his fins Mm -hmm. to light up and start heating up, and that kills some of them.
1: They burst into flame.
0: Yes. And then after Godzilla's killed most of them, they shoot the Dimension Tide. And somehow miss with a black hole?
1: They miss with a black hole! This was the thing that when I first watched the movie, I basically checked out right then. (laughs) They shot a black hole at Godzilla and missed. (laughs) The fact that they describe it as missing is, like, Godzilla didn't dodge it. He didn't, like, dig underground real fast or, you know, some way to, dot, like, get away he from it. He didn't
0: even move. He I'm pretty sure.
1: He didn't move at all. He's
0: a pretty slow-moving Godzilla. This Godzilla doesn't really move very fast. Do you think that's part partly the suit? Do you think the suit's pretty heavy?
1: I don't know how heavy this suit is, but I always just assume every suit is heavy.
0: <laughs> that's fair.
1: All those complaints said, though, it still looks really cool when they fire the Dimension Tide. Like, it comes in from the sky and it like sucks up all the clouds and That
0: part what I liked.
1: It looks really neat.
0: So Major Sujimori says, Do it again. But the Dr. Yoshizawa says, Sorry, there's a one hour cooldown which they haven't discussed before now.
1: Apparently.
0: So Meganula and Godzilla just leave.
1: They everyone just goes home. <laughs>
0: That's a wrap, guys. Try it again tomorrow. (laughs) We see this very confusing, purposefully, shot of Mr. Sugiura on the phone with somebody. We don't know who. And we never know who, but the why becomes more apparent later. And he's saying that... He's talking about how Godzilla attacked Osaka before because of the clean energy building. And he... Knows that is going to go to Tokyo. We don't know why, but he's talking about that. And the oh, plan to keep whoever it is safe.
1: And all the lights are off. And he's... It's very, like... Something's going on. It's
0: very elusive, man.
1: Yes. <laughs> it is.
0: That was a Mass Effect reference. Yes. For anyone other than Andrew and myself. So the Meganula head back to Osaka. And... Land on top of this giant monster and start giving it their energy and die in the process. The energy they stole from Godzilla. Right. Which, again, is very cool to look at.
1: A very cool shot.
0: Kudo has his mini SGS out and he's trying to fix it. He can't figure out why it's not working. Other tech has not been working in Osaka. They're estimating that something magnetics under the water. Again, don't know why they established the scene, maybe just to not spoil the first shot of Megagiris.
1: Maybe. This never gets touched on again. Like, Megagiris does have some effect on technology. It's not magnetic. It's from, like, sonic waves and stuff, and she's not going to be putting out sonic waves when she's asleep underwater.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They don't really explain this part. And it doesn't seem to really have a purpose. Yeah. We do see a, the giant monster, Megagirus, spoilers, molting and rising out of the water. And then we get to see Megagirus.
1: Yeah. Megagirus is awesome looking.
0: I think this is one of my favorite suits. Yeah, giant monster outfits so far?
1: It actually was a suit. There was a person in it for a bunch of the movie.
0: That amazes me because I just assumed it was going to be more Rodan or Mothra where it was like a puppet.
1: It definitely was a puppet for most of it. But there are some shots where the director wanted Megagirus to be able to use its like front arms and stuff uh, in a way that is more difficult to do with a puppet. And I actually have a picture of the actor in the suit for you because I think it's hilarious.
0: We'll put this one up on Twitter.
1: Yes, for sure. But it's just a guy hanging from strings inside of a hoodie, essentially. That is Megagirus. So, would you like to uh, take a stab at describing Megagirus for our audience?
0: Megagirus is a, a cross between a dragonfly and a dragon. Sure. It's got the face of a dragon. It's kind of very pointy face with two kind of horns coming off of it and very angular red eyes. The body kind of looks like a hedgehog.
1: It's (laughs) Covered in spikes.
0: Yeah, it's kind of rounded and it's got spikes that come off of it in like several rows. The wings are yellow, green, and... Very spiky looking. There's just a bunch of spikes coming off of everything. Kind of like a crab.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very crabby.
0: It does have kind of what looks like claws in the front and then six legs coming off of it.
1: And it's got a big tail with a big spike on the end.
0: Yes, a big kind of rounded tail with a spike.
1: Yeah, which we learn is kind of a stinger sort of a thing.
0: It is very cool design. It's
1: a super cool design. Oh, also it's purple, which is a rare color for monsters. I don't
0: know. It's every Disney villain. Green and purple is just the villain colors.
1: That's true. I meant for kaiju. That's true. But yes. So, like I said, Megagirus was partially played by a suit actor. That suit actor is Minoru Watanabe, who is a suit actor known for having a small frame, (laughs) which meant that he could fit into smaller monster suits or unusual monster suits like Megagirus.
0: Where did his legs go?
1: In, they just, whenever you see a shot of Mega Garris, with him in the suit, you don't see the back half of it.
0: Oh, he's like hidden behind buildings or something.
1: Or the, it's a close-up shot. That makes sense. Um, he's most famous for his work on Super Sentai, a.k.a. Power Rangers in the United States. <laughs> There's your connection.
0: Is he one of the Power Rangers?
1: I don't know. I don't think so.
0: You've failed me.
1: I think he I think he plays the monsters in that makes Power sense. Rangers. And I didn't mention Godzilla's suit actor in this, and so I'll just mention it now. Uh, Godzilla is played by Tsutomu Kitagawa, who is most famous for playing Godzilla throughout most of the Millennium Series. He didn't do all of the Millennium Series, but most. I don't have a lot of information about him or how he plays Godzilla, but his motions are pretty unique when compared to other Godzilla actors. He holds himself leaning forwards more, so he with his arms right to his side, it kind of looks like he's emulating how a T Rex would have walked.
0: That makes sense. Um, he is very T Rexy.
1: Yes. Sometime I will show you. There's a great interview with a bunch of the Godzilla actors, and they had the they had Haruo Nakajima, the suit actor from a bunch of the Showa series, and the main suit actor from the Heisei series along with this guy, all just walk down on a sidewalk on the side of a street.
0: <laughs> I think you have shown me this one like a long time ago.
1: All pretending to be the their version of Godzilla. And it really lets you see how different they all are. And also, it's just hilarious to watch two old men and, you know, middle-aged man walking down the street pretending to be Godzilla.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. I, I would definitely have a new appreciation for it if I saw it now. Sure. And Megagarris is just pretty cool in general. She, which I believe you said is canonically a she.
1: Yes, she is. She's, a, she's like a queen bee, essentially. One of the few kaiju that is a female.
0: She shears buildings in half as she flies by and is able to vibrate her wings and shatter just blanket of buildings. Yeah. And then Kudo wakes up in the hospital. Because he got caught up in the blast. Yep. They talk about that Megaguirus is the queen of the Nulon And name her. And the plot knowledge guy <laughs> explains that she attacks everything to expand her territory. And then Godzilla is spotted off Tokyo.
1: Again, I don't know how he knows that about Megaguirus, but...
0: He's just plot knowledge guy. He is. He is the fourth wall break. Who pauses the movie to come in and make notes.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: So people are now evacuating Tokyo, including Jun and his mom. And our Waterworks official guys. Yeah. They just have a goofy shot where they're kind of running together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing more of their stand-up for sure. Or they're... Not their stand-up. They're doing more of their routine for sure as they're running.
0: Tsujimura asks very wisely, why is he attacking Tokyo? And then Professor Yoshizawa gives Mr. Sugira a look.
1: A knowing glance.
0: <laughs> Their plan is to try to keep Godzilla in the harbor, which immediately fails. And then megagirus shows up and attacks Godzilla. It is a very epic fight. I really liked this fight.
1: It is super duper cool, yeah. Megagiris is really fast and mean, and Godzilla is definitely more powerful, but... Has a hard time hitting Mega Garris.
0: I usually don't write a ton of notes during the fights because most of the time it's like this person threw this person. Then this person did this and all these buildings got wrecked and tanks are shooting. And yeah. it's not really a lot to take notes on. I actually did take a lot of notes on this fight because there were a lot of moments that stood out to me.
1: It's the best part of the movie.
0: And you get a lot of... Every moment seemed to be telling you a new thing about their power. Yeah. A new thing that monster could do, or a new way they can attack. And every shot of this fight seemed to have a purpose, which I think was pretty unique to this movie.
1: It's a really, really good fight scene. Or sequence, I guess. So
0: what I wrote down is that the G-graspers try to hit both of them at the same time with the Dimension Titan one shot. Megagiris' vibrating wings disconnect the base from the satellite.
1: Don't know how that works. <laughs> it's nonsense.
0: So it but, like disrupts the signal, basically.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. Megagirus is a kaiju. All kaiju have weird powers we don't understand. I'm way more okay with this <laughs> than with all the stupid complaints I have about that dumb Dimension Tide. Like, her having a weird vibrating effect on technology fine it's cool it's just a power she has
0: so Megagirus is harrying godzilla and then stabs him with his stinger and stops him mid heat being beam build up
1: yeah you could see the heat beam travel back down into godzilla's throat as it's getting sucked out of him
0: and then the lighting down his fins and in his mouth kind of go out in the direction of where the stinger is yeah
1: it's super cool.
0: Godzilla cuts off one of Megayurus' claws with his back spikes.
1: Yeah, with those spikes that we said were way too big.
0: As she flies by him. Yeah. And then swings her into a building with his tail.
1: He's got a prehensile tail, I guess.
0: In this one. Yeah,
1: he grabs her with his tail.
0: There's just a lot of cool shots in this fight. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then Kudo runs into the base shirtless
1: I once and covered
0: a... in bandages and uh, says i can fix the dimension tide
1: i have once again rolled my eyes the moment that she started talking about him
0: <laughs> godzilla jumps and lands on megagiris
1: in what i think a lot of fans re- believe is a reference to that big dumb tail slide jump from godzilla versus megalon you didn't buy it when i told you that earlier
0: no because it didn't look like that at all to me
1: I think, I don't know, I think people think it's a reference, and I kind of agree that it's a reference, just because Godzilla doesn't do a lot of big, dumb jumps.
0: Isn't there a different scene in that same movie where he jumps really high into the air and lands on something, though?
1: I don't recall that, but maybe.
0: Anyway. That's the the fandom agreed-upon theory. Yes. I just don't buy into it.
1: You're too cool for us.
0: hmm Definitely. So Kudo, meanwhile, rips off his cast and is fine.
1: With his bare hand too.
0: Like, rips them in half, not, like, slides his hand out of it. Right. And then he gets out his sexy nurse program and dresses her up as Major Tsujimura, which is super not okay, dude.
1: It's He's got a cool program that allows him to check for all the programs and see if they're a problem. And... Do sexual harassment at the same time.
0: Ugh, I hate it. I hate it.
1: It's so convenient.
0: Pretty hair does not make sexual harassment okay.
1: Nothing makes sexual harassment okay. This is true.
0: But his gross computer program does fix it. Yes. Megagearis' wings and tails glow, then shoot fireballs from his tail. Another yes. cool ability.
1: So there's a fighting game where you can play as Mega Gears. It's called Godzilla Unleashed. There's a bunch of characters that you could play as in that that weren't in any of the previous fighting games. And Megagirus in that game can, like, drain the energy out of enemy fighters to use for her own. And she can drain the, any if they have any energy attacks, she can copy the energy attacks of whatever monster she's fighting. Cool. Which is very cool. So
0: they're implying that the only reason she could do this... Beam attack or this fireball attack is because Godzilla gave her the ability to do that with his energy. I
1: think so. I don't think that's even an implication from the game. I think that that like her wings and tail glow the same color as Godzilla's spines do. That's true. It's it's such a cool idea.
0: She then goes to pierce him, but he bites off her stinger and breaks it off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just a cool shot. Like, I really like it.
1: She's not happy with it. And the way the shot is, it looks like she stabbed him in the face, and then the camera swings around, and you could see how it what actually happened, and he crunches down and bites off the stinger. It's neat. This fight is the best part of the movie. I've said it before, and I'll say it again.
0: And then Godzilla explodes her with his heat beam.
1: Yeah, she's, like, stunned because her stinger got bitten off, and now he can finally actually hit her. And it's a one-hit kill, but... You know, he had to work hard to get that hit.
0: And then they just watch as he wrecks Tokyo again.
1: Yeah, he just starts destroying everything.
0: For the third time, and they just don't do anything about it. Yep. Mr. Sugior is about to head out from the base of operations when Dr. Yoshizawa stops him and demands answers. He ignores her and just walks out. Dr. Yoshizawa figures out that they've been producing plasma energy in Tokyo. Secretly. Which would make... Japan, and him, rich and powerful. And he agrees that's what's happening, basically. He's not even apologetic about it. Yeah. And then, vying for another, like, best part of the movie, Major Sujimori just walks up and punches him.
1: Just punches him straight in the face. When I first saw this movie, I went... I just, like, got up and went, "Whoa, Because I was so <laughs> excited by her. More... Jerks in movies need to just get straight up punched in the jaw.
0: I'm pretty sure there's one other Godzilla movie where the villain gets punched.
1: I'm sure there's multiple, but for some reason it was really satisfying in this one.
0: It was definitely a Jojo moment.
1: It kind of was, yes.
0: So Kuda does manage to fix the dementia tide, like I said, but it's still falling to Earth. Their plan is to fire as it's falling. Major Tsujimura goes to fly over Godzilla in the griffin because apparently it'll be easier for them to lock on to the griffin than it would Godzilla, who's not moving very fast. I don't get it. I mean, if they just tried to do the same thing as they did last time, there is that definition of crazy.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: She hangs her captain's dog tags from her dash and salutes them, which I thought was a really cute callback. And then ejects right as they shoot the Dimension Tide. Yep. So, in a way, it's almost like her captain is the one who went on this mission Yeah.
1: I like that. I like that way of thinking.
0: To kill Godzilla. Because his dog tags are the ones at the wheel right as the beam hits.
1: Yeah. That's cool.
0: Major Sujimura lands in a pool and Godzilla is gone.
1: Forever.
0: (laughs) And everyone celebrates. They have a shot of major sujimori looking proudly on at the destructed <laughs> tokyo and and there's a tv on in the background talking about how parliament is looking into why the plasma energy was continued sujimori is shown visiting kudo there is a report of seismic activity and they're wondering if Godzilla managed to escape and then Kudo's now back in his shop, the one he was working at when they first approached him Mm -hmm. with his tiny robots. And Tsujimura comes to visit him with her hair down for, like, probably the first time in the movie.
1: Yeah, she put it down right after Godzilla was killed. And then, yeah, she keeps it down.
0: I wonder if that was, like, symbolic, like, her job is done so she can relax now.
1: Yeah, maybe. That makes sense.
0: She tells him that there's been some seismic activity and they don't know if Godzilla escaped. He says something semi-flirty and then she says a response to it and gets cut off mid-word and the screen freezes on her and that's the end of the movie.
1: Oh, it was like she broke something of his or... Oh no, she like patted him on the arm, his still like broken arm. And he's like, ah, and she's like, sorry. And in the middle of saying sorry, credit roll.
0: It was the weirdest moment to end on in the middle of a word.
1: It was very strange.
0: And then there are, there is an after credit scene, which I think is a little bit better. June is at school and he, all the kids are running out and he's holding this box of like pinned bugs. And he goes to put it in the classroom when everything starts shaking.
1: Yeah. And you hear a Godzilla roar, I think. Yes. Yeah.
0: And, then that freezes mid-frame. But yeah. that one makes more sense to That
1: one me. makes more sense. So in that post-credit sequence, we actually get a little cameo of the director. Which is why I've been waiting to talk about the director until just now.
0: Is he the one that gives June the box of bugs?
1: He's a teacher. I'm not sure which one he was. Box-o-bugs. Probably the one who gave him the box of bugs. Uh, the director of this movie is Masaki Tezuka. He directed three Millennium movies godzilla versus megagiris godzilla against mechagodzilla and godzilla tokyo sos those last two are sequels to one's a sequel to the other and i really like those two and i really don't really like this one very much if
0: we haven't established that yet
1: so he's got kind of a mixed review in my opinion he appears as a cameo in the post-credit scene of all of his godzilla movies this is just a thing he does i guess
0: he did post-credit scenes before it was cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he was doing post-credit sequence before it was the fad. He says he became interested in making movies after seeing King Kong vs. Godzilla. And all of his kaiju movies that he's made have at least one classic era actor in them. Like, he goes out of his way to have to include classic actors from the older movies. I
0: bet he was a fan of Godzilla when he was... Younger.
1: Oh, I'm sure he was. Again, he wanted to become a filmmaker because of King Kong vs. Godzilla, so you know that he watched Godzilla movies. The writers, one one writer's named Hiroshi Kashiwabara. I know literally nothing about this person. <laughs> the other person, Wataru Mimura, uh, wrote for all of Masaki Tezuka's Godzilla movies and also wrote for Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla Godzilla 2 and Godzilla Final Wars. And then the last person I think I have to mention is the producer, Shogo Tomiyama, is the person who took over as producer of all the Toho kaiju movies after Tomoyuki Tanaka died. He produced every Toho kaiju film from 1989 to 2004 when Godzilla was retired.
0: So he's the the new Tanaka. Essentially. Basically. He did the same... Pushing to get them continued. Because there were a few periods in there where it seemed like it, the Godzilla movies were in a lull.
1: Yes. And him, you know, he, he was right, right with all those Godzilla movies right up until the biggest break that we've had so far. That break in between the Millennium series and the current run.
0: So I have a couple questions for you this time. <gasps> oh no. So your big thing with this movie that you keep going back to, is that you can't stand the pseudoscience of the Dimension Tide. Yes. How is that so different than the Oxygen Destroyer?
1: Oxygen Destroyer is, again, it doesn't make any sense if you really investigate it, but it's one of those things where it's a chemical that no one is saying currently exists, right? It's, It's a substance that doesn't isn't based super hard in science and because of that i'm able to suspend my disbelief we know a lot of things about black holes we know how black holes work and it's kind of like the inclusion of a black hole in this movie is the director or writer i don't know who came up with it someone said what if we used a black hole and that was the end of the thought (laughs) the oxygen destroyer has thought it put into it about how like it gets released by this canister and the effects that it has on the water and the animals, and they treat it very respectfully in the movie. And this one is just black holes are cool, man. <laughs> Let's shoot one at Godzilla and then miss twice. Miss twice!
0: It only missed once.
1: Godzilla, okay.
0: You don't know if it's the same Godzilla. There are other Godzilla movies where there's a second Godzilla.
1: Either they missed with that second one, or they do what they say he did in the movie, which is escaped from the black hole, which is such a nonsense concept that we didn't even mention it. <laughs> it's not a prison. It's just a point of extreme gravity. It's so, it's such a nonsense series of ideas, and I don't... If they took that out, I it would be a fine movie.
0: It's kind of the point of the movie, though, Andrew.
1: I know. I know. But I really like the fight. I think that's really good. I would watch just that as a movie.
0: So that kind of leads up to my second question, which is, if you were going to cast Godzilla and Megagiris with American actors... Who would you cast them?
1: So we're casting them as if they were people with the personalities of the kaiju? Yeah.
0: Okay. Slice of life.
1: You're okay, a slice of life thing. Oh god, Megagirus would be the worst character for a slice of life thing. <laughs> Just this horrible, mean, murderous. Um Megagiris, I feel, has like the energy of like Kate Blanchett as Hela from Thor Ragnarok.
0: I could definitely see that.
1: Like, I could see Kate Blanchett doing a really good Mega Garris. and then I don't know Godzilla, like, The Rock maybe put Dwayne Johnson. Oh there. my gosh,
0: that would be great.
1: <laughs> that's that's my best thought for Godzilla.
0: I was thinking Tilda Swinton being every other Tilda Swinton character. Sure. And Matt Damon. Gutsell doesn't have too strong of a personality in this one. He's kind of like bland action character who has cool moves. Sure. So I, I could see a Matt Damon. I'm not a huge fan of Matt Damon. It's just not <laughs> apparent. I think he's he's alright. He's eight.
1: He's fine. Yeah, that's an interesting question though. So, uh I mean, I'm not ending the episode quite yet, but if you have a better idea of who should play Godzilla or Megagirus <laughs> in our Slice of Life anime or whatever it is. Tweet us. Yeah, tweet at us. So, one last order of business before we leave, which is... I didn't
0: know we were that formal.
1: <laughs> we are today. It's a very formal movie, and so we must be very formal very about it.
0: formal.
1: Who would you recommend Godzilla vs. Megagirus to?
0: I think this would actually be a good one for younger audiences. It has a lot of energy. There's always some sort of action happening. There's a lot of bright colors, and it's just very flashy movie. Godzilla looks really intense. Megarirus is like if you made Movie Villain and turned it up to a hundred. Yeah, everyone's just very a caricature. Really? Everyone's a caricature. Yeah. It just has that good versus evil. Good always triumphs. There's not a lot of really heavy moral questions. It's just a lot of action and fun.
1: Yeah. I completely agree with everything about that. It's. You could tell who's a good guy, who's a bad guy just by looking at him. Yeah. And I think. And even that... if
0: somebody gets revealed as a bad guy later, he's clearly a bad guy and gets his comeuppance.
1: Yes. I think that's. A very good point. Yeah. It's really good for young audiences, I think.
0: Or young at heart.
1: Or young at heart. Exactly. I think that my my biggest thing about this movie is it has a lot of really good ideas. Like the historical fiction where they changed the, the capital of Japan.
0: I did like that.
1: And the...
0: And the fact that they had to get rid of nuclear energy and find a new solution to that yeah. and they did in a way that i would believe it
1: and then there's the shady government official who <laughs> we never meet wants to keep doing uh you know wants to go against the wishes of the government as a whole so that they can keep making money like all of that is really interesting and cool but it's not portrayed well <laughs> and so i think this movie could have been really good and it could have been one that i would want to show pretty much anyone But the way it is now, it's low on my list.
0: I would actually put this one up as a good movie for a remake.
1: Yes, I agree. This movie could be remade very well.
0: It's a good candidate because it's got a lot of good ideas Mm -hmm. and a lot of high concept. Not a lot of great execution, especially in the CG department. It brings a lot of room for improvement on a story that apparently a lot of people love.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or at least a few people do.
1: Some people, yeah. Um, and don't, just because I'm poo pooing it, don't let me, you know, be a wet blanket. Like, love this movie. Love whatever you love.
0: Tweet at us if this is your favorite movie or what your favorite Godzilla movie is.
1: Exactly. Uh, and if you want to do that, our Twitter account is at Island Kaiju, or you could just search for Kaiju Island Podcast.
0: Or if you also want to get a hold of us by email, our email is kaijuislandpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Our episodes are released on the first Saturday of every month. Our intro and outro are Manga Maniac by Olive Music, And as always, thanks for listening.
1: And let's all fight bravely as a team.